the podcast page for the website Grief Dialogues. And today I'm with Tara Martha, and she's going to talk about her new book that's not available to the public until the publisher releases it in May. But there's a lot of exciting things we want to talk about the process of writing this book. So welcome, Tara, and um, I'm just thrilled that you're here today with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So your book is titled Look Back to Yesterday, and it's being published by who and what's the release date? Adelaide Books in May of 2020. Great. And so, as you know, Grief Dialogues, our motto is out of grief comes art. And I'm wondering, obviously, this is a fictional book. Is that correct? Is this fiction? Yes. Yes. But it is based on real life for you. So not autobiographical, not biographical, but definitely an art form that's coming out of your own experience. So could you tell us a little bit about the book and how you first came to the idea of even writing it in the first place? Sure. So Look Back to Yesterday is about a woman named Rebecca who clings to the past. She's alone after the death of her father and the breakup with her boyfriend, John. And at the heart of her inability to move on is the loss of her mother when Rebecca was nine and living in Brooklyn, New York. Now in her thirties, she has a difficult time reconciling loss because she never truly dealt with the death of her mother. And this loss kind of interferes with other relationships because she's almost cemented in the past. She can't really deal with change very well and always refuses to go back to Brooklyn where her mom is buried until her father dies and he wants his ashes spread over her mother's grave. So this kind of forces Rebecca to head back to Brooklyn after a 23 year absence. But while she's on the subway, she falls asleep and finds herself back in the past in her childhood, 1980. So she encounters not only her mother, her father, her family, but also her childhood self. And she comes up with an idea that she could probably alter the past and save her mother from an untimely death. But what she comes to discover is that the only person she could really save is herself. Wow. Now, I definitely want to read this book. I want to know what possibly a nine-year-old could do to save her mother, uh, regardless of the circumstances. And I know a lot of children out there, they often think, think that. So I'm going to be really curious to re- read this book. Can't wait to see it. So how do you, do you have a mission, work, sort of purpose in the context of your art? Well, I basically, in, by the year 2009, I had lost all the people that I was close to in my life. Um, both my parents were gone, uh, my grandmother, a couple of aunts I was close to, and I was kind of feeling alone and vulnerable, and I'd always wanted to be a writer. I had nothing published at that point. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could write a story about loss? And since it's such a universal topic, I felt that readers could identify with the character of Rebecca. So I wanted to share my own experience of loss and combine combine it with this fantastical idea of being sent back in time to deal with your grief. Mm, mm, Uh, So I know when dealing with grief, we all, when we come to it the first time, especially a lot of us, have some ideas in our heads that we think this is how grief 
will be, should be. And it isn't until we're in it ourselves that we find out that some of those ideas are actually myths. And I wanted, was curious if there's a common myth or myth about grief and how you would debunk it or you would like to save others from saying that that myth is so when it's not. Well, one of the things that I had to deal with um, is when people were saying to me, now I lost my mom in real life when I was 12 years old. And then I lost my father when I was 32. And I had a lot of people say to me, well, loss is the same at any age. And this is a myth because although it hurts and it hurts so much to lose my father and I miss him terribly every day, my mother's death actually traumatized me. She died of cancer, but it was traumatizing because I felt so abandoned, even though I knew that she didn't leave me on purpose. You can't reconcile loss at the age of 12. So it's not the same experience. Plus I didn't get to know her quite like I did my father. Right, right. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a big myth. Really helpful. Uh, so what would you advise people who have young children? Is there any particular advice, book, organization that you might suggest to people? Um, nothing in particular, but I did read a lot of books growing up um, in my adolescence, in my 20s, about motherless children loss of parent and I know that was very helpful to me mm -hmm. so I would suggest that they you know especially go to counseling if you need to right you know if the grief carries on for too long it's so important to get professional help um, and also to find people that you can trust you know whether it's a teacher or a school counselor or somebody who, that you know will be there for you and take your grief seriously right right I think that's very important especially seeing a counselor and you know you said when a grief goes goes too long and sometimes um, you don't know if it's too long or not and right. so I often say if you have any question about grief see a counselor I have a friend whose mother died when my friend was 13 and she stopped growing period <laughs> and so she she and she had a lot of health issues because of that but her mother died of cancer her father basically wouldn't, not basically, her father wouldn't allow her to see her mother the last about three weeks of her mother's life. Uh, we didn't want to traumatize her by having her witness her mother's skeletal body. And because she could never have closure, also there, she wasn't allowed to go to the funeral and couldn't, they couldn't really speak about her mother in the household anymore. Father was devastated and this was his way to deal with it. Uh, unfortunately, that meant that my friends stopped growing. And she's in her 50s today, and, and really what would have helped at that time, even if her father did not want to talk about it, was if he had managed to get her some therapy or counseling or something, uh, I think her life would have turned out uh, a bit better. Uh, so, I'm, as, an, as an adult now, are there any resources that have helped you on your journey through grief? Well, actually, writing this book was very cathartic for me, and I know not everybody is a writer, um, but yeah, writing this book has been a huge help because I didn't realize how many feelings that were still carried over from when I was 12 years old uh, during my mom's death 
until adulthood. So when I see them on paper now and read about, even though Rebecca is a fictional character, loosely based on me, but seeing the pain that Rebecca's going through was so raw for me that I found myself in tears many times thinking, wow, this is what I really went through. These feelings were spilling out onto the paper. Paper, right, wow. This story. Mm -hmm. uh, would you recommend writing as a way to deal with grief, whether it's, I mean, you, you had the enjoyment of, of seeing your book about to be published, but what kind of art forms including writing, do you, have you seen others deal with their grief or what you recommend or how did that actually manifest itself for you? I think a journal is a very great, a great way for everybody. Even if you're, if you're not a storyteller like me and you don't want to be a writer, anybody can keep a journal, write down your feelings, look over your feelings. And that is a way of a cathartic art form also journaling to help you deal with some of the grief. Right, right, yes. So, why do you think grief... Oh, let me back up there for a second. I, I like journaling because I found people didn't really want to hear me talk about my grief or my loss. Uh, and so I turned to journalism, journaling because it was like, well, I can write it out and it's for me. But my question to you is, why do you think people believe that grief is a taboo topic? Well, you know, when I lost my mom, I had I had some insensitive things said to me, like, oh, get over it or snap out of it. And those are very hurtful things when you're going through grief. Mm -hmm. there, there are those who think you could just snap your fingers and everything will work out, but it doesn't always work that way. Grief is a process and people grieve differently. It takes some people longer than others. And I think people are afraid of discussing grief with others because they don't want to sound morbid and they don't want, you know, we live in a very, unfortunately, a desensitized culture right now. And when somebody else is in a happy place, they don't want to deal with somebody who's going through a hard time because they don't want their happiness to It's really important to find someone that you respect and someone who will show you empathy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. So, uh, could you tell me a little bit about your, the process that you found, so you wrote in your journal, and now how is it coming to be a published book? What was your journey along that way? Well, it's been a long journey. Um, by the time, like I said, by the time uh, I was 32, I had lost really everybody that I was close to. My grandmother, my aunts, my mother had died long ago. So I was feeling so vulnerable and I thought it would be a great way to loosen some of that grief and write a story that everybody could relate to. So it's been a long process. I went to college after my father died because I was uh, a late in life adult learner. So I didn't go right after high school and I had always wanted to be a writer. So I thought, well, what could I do to help myself and what better way than to go to college and have homework so you don't have to think about your problems. <laughs> but through that, I became a, an English major. And then I went on to graduate school to be a creative writing major. And Look Back to Yesterday was actually a thesis that I was writing, which I had started long before grad school. And so once I graduated grad school, I start looking around for publishers and I found one, Adelaide Books, who was willing to take a chance on it. And here I am. Wow. Wow, that's great. <laughs> so do you have an agent? 
No, I don't. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, good for you. That's hard work. That This part alone is hard work, as you know. To, to um, be able to share it with the world is hard work. So I applaud you for that. Um, so about going back a little bit to your book, and this is not one of the questions that I, I sent because I like the immediate kind of uh, uh, excitement of it. So how would you, what would be on, so let me back up. Your book is coming out today, let's say, and there's going to be a billboard about your book. What would you want on that billboard? I would probably want people to know that when they pick up this book, they're going to read, yes, about grief, yes, about loss, but also about acceptance, how to keep those we love who have already passed on in our lives, because you still have a relationship with that person. And many people don't think that you can have a relationship with someone you can't see or hear. But there's so much a part of you, even when they're gone. And there's, in fact, a great quote in my book um, when somebody says to Rebecca that, how can anybody who's a part of you ever truly be gone? And I think that's so important for people to realize. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's powerful. So I won't ask you how she answers that because I, I'm going to wait and read it in the book. But that is a very powerful question. That's brilliant. Um, so where, what kind of marketing channels, I mean, when the book comes out, obviously on Grief Dialogues, we will promote it quite heavily and, and so forth because I just know this is gonna be an important book, not only from a literature sense, but from a grief and dying sense. Uh, so where are the, what channels, what type of uh, reader do you see being most interested in this book? Uh, is it a story that stands on its own and will be part of the new fiction uh, table at your local independent library? Or what other uh, area do you see this book fitting into? Um, it'll be available on Amazon. It'll be in local bookstores. Um, I'm assuming it will be in bookstores like Barnes & Noble and BAM. And I know my publisher has many marketing ideas to get this book out there to the people, to the public. I will be doing, once the book comes out, I'll be doing readings from the book at local bookstores. I also have an author page. You can follow me at Tara Lynn Marta Author on Facebook. Is that up now? On Twitter. I'm sorry, uh, is that up now? Yes. Oh, great. Okay, we'll include that in the links uh, with this podcast. Okay. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Okay, and you will uh, will you be publishing then, or sending me an email a list of where your readings are? We have grief dialogues people all over the the world, really. Uh, I just did a reading in Chester, England, with a sold out crowd, and and so it's really amazing how uh, people want these types of stories, and they want to come and and you know hear your readings. So I hope you will let me know where you're going to be reading so that I can publish publish that tour program as well. Uh, do you, oh, um, sure, yes. As soon as I get the itinerary, I'd be glad to send it on. Perfect. And we'll put it on our events page. So one thing that Grief Dialogues is now working on is we want to work directly with medical providers to help them deal not only with their patient's grief and the patient's family's grief, but their own. And uh, I found talking to a number of medical students that there is, generally speaking, one, maybe two classes on death 
the entire medical school uh, experience, there are zero classes on grief. And it's hard for a, a physician or a, any kind of medical provider to put aside his or her own grief about the patient, the patient's family, and not have it affect how they deal with the their uh, profession, how they deal with the, on their job. So what we're trying to do is share ideas for medical providers about death. Is there anything that you would have uh, in your personal experience, anything you would have liked the medical provider to have said or done or anything you would caution a medical provider not to do in the future? I would only say that it's just so important to show understanding to your patient if he or she is coming to you with emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And I would hope that any medical provider would suggest to their patient that they seek additional help with a counselor or a psychologist. But also, you know, again, that empathy and that sympathy, sometimes it's hard to have that for somebody else if you're not going through a particular situation. But right. that would be the only advice that I have about that. Okay, understanding. Well, this has been wonderful, Tara. I'm really looking forward to the book. Um, so any last words you'd like to offer? Just that if you're going through any kind of grief, no matter who you've lost, a parent, a friend, a spouse, keep holding on, know that they're always with you. Grief is, again, it's a process. We get through it differently at different stages, but you know, and if it's, you find it debilitating, seek help and, and just remember that they're always there for you. Right, right. Well, this, this has been great. Thank you so much. And hopefully you will be willing to come back on when the book's out and we can talk in more detail about the characters and, and the plot and so forth. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much. And that's today's show on Grief Bursts.